0: Chris, and Chris Talk Movies.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry. And I am Chris Huddleston. And today we are very excited to be talking to you about The Hand. You think I've done something wrong, don't
0: you? Terror, he could not forget. <laughs>
1: there's something in
0: there don't you torment he could not bear you want to see truth he would not face
1: hey take
0: a look orion pictures presents michael kane in the hand you don't want me to go to do
1: I'm not talking about a separation or anything permanent or anything
0: like that. I thought you understood that. I thought that was why you said Well, that I could...
1: we obviously do not understand each other. Look out! Ah! Get back. How does it feel? i still there? My fingers. I've been moving. You'll have phantom feelings for years. Heat, irritation, pain. Your memory is still feeding familiar sensations of having a hand along your nerve endings. What have you been doing during these blackouts? Misplacing things. I'd be scared if I were you. Did you see my signet ring? No. Are you all right? Oh, yes. You never know what you can do. The unconscious is capable of anything. You could do anything you ever dreamed of and never had the guts to do. Hi. I like the way you look at me. Blackouts are nothing to fool with. You could kill somebody. Ah! It's all up there, and you'll never know. No, what? Who you are? Don't <laughs> be afraid of the pain.
0: <sighs> Tell me what you're feeling. You're trying to kill me, aren't you? Sense it.
1: Feel it. Touch it.
0: You wanna destroy me? What is your image? A man trapped in a nightmare. Locked <coughs> in the grasp of land. Oh, John. John? John?
1: What's the matter? Why are you looking at me like that? There's no hand. <laughs> Michael Caine in the hand. Okay, excellent trailer. So I cannot wait to unpack this one with you. Do you have a synopsis for us?
0: I do. Uh, So The Hand is a 1981 film written and directed by Oliver Stone. This was his second movie, and it stars in the lead role, um, uh, Michael Caine. This was his 50th film at this point. Um, So, you know, one guy in the beginning of his career, another guy well into his career. Uh, Michael Caine plays a cartoonist who has a... uh, uh, a newspaper comic strip uh, called what was it called? Mandor or something like that. It's yes, kind of like, exactly. kind of like Mandor. Yeah. Can't kind of like, kind of like Conan the barbarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and his wife, um, the, the very beginning of the movie after an argument uh, or during an argument are, they're involved in a car accident and he loses his hand. Um. And also he loses his ability to draw at that point and to work on his comic strip. Um, The wife, the, the argument that they were having was over her wanting to move to New York, which he did not want to do, but they do. However, move to New York. Um, His publisher, I guess, decides to bring in a different artist to work on his comic strip. This upsets him. He basically, I guess gets kicked off of his own strip Uh, To make a living, he decides to take a teaching job in California, so he moves there. The wife stays in New York City, and he starts to gradually become insane, I guess, Uh, and people who cross him start to be murdered, uh, maybe by his disembodied hand, maybe just by him.
1: We can talk about that. So that's that's pretty much the synopsis. That's correct. And one of the things I'm so excited to talk about this movie is it was directed by Oliver Stone, starring Michael Caine. It is a movie, a horror movie, no questions asked. It's a horror movie about a disembodied hand that kind of crawls around uh, killing people. And mm-hmm. so you buys a ticket, you sees a show. It's not, mm-hmm. there's not this, there's no... Secret uh, subterfuge there's no confusion in the marketing uh, it is that it is that movie. Um, and the question as as you just pointed out that really we're forced to wrestle with for most of the film is is this hand really crawling around killing people or is he crazy? Is he doing it and sort of having these blackouts and imagining this disembodied hand? you know, doing what he's really doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't find out. I I would say, because, of course, spoilers, we're going to ruin this movie for you. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want to know what happens, then go watch it. Otherwise, we're going to talk about it. So I would say even right up until the very end, it's not. I mean, I guess at the very end we discover that the hand is real. Is that how you interpreted that?
0: I guess I don't know. So we we have to say basically he he gets so um, when he goes to California, he becomes involved with um, a female student. Um, he starts sleeping with her. She's actually involved with another teacher. Uh, this upsets him, and either he or the the hand kill the girl and kill this other teacher. And then at the very end, he is forced by the sheriff to open up the trunk of his car. And there's the body of the girl in there. So then the very end of the movie is this very, everything is, you know, pretty, uh, seems fairly realistic until this very end that he's not in prison or anything. He's in some kind of a lab where he's hooked up to a lie detector machine or something. And this woman is questioning him. And, you know, he's uh, basically she's saying that the hand is not real, that it's just him. And the very last scene is the hand choking her to death. And he laughs and gets up out of the chair. So, (laughs) but it's very, I mean, that, that ending part is very weird because it's like, what is this place that they have him in? you know
1: yeah, yeah that's true but i guess now that you mention it there are things that a disembodied well first of all a disembodied hand it doesn't fly around right it doesn't it ostensibly it crawls like mm-hmm. um thing from the addams family thing from the addams family like it crawls around like you know sort of with its fingers uh, and uh, like a bug and um so there's no way well first of all, it, you know, it comes sort of flying through the air and grabbing people by the throat. And, and there's no way that a hand could do that, but you just say whatever it's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. But there's no there's absolutely no way that a disembodied hand could muscle it's it, they open the trunk and it's both the co-ed that he was having an affair with and the other teacher right. that had been interested in the co-ed. So there's two bodies in the trunk. Mm-hmm. And there's just no way that a disembodied hand could <laughs> could lift these. People. The physics defies it. You know, there's yeah. uh, even with cartoon logic. So maybe what we get at the end is that he is it's both. He's been the hand and him have been doing it during his blackouts. He's been either controlling the hand or in cahoots with the hand. The hand does the killing, and he does the sort of cleanup. Yeah, I never and that's a good take. I never thought he, about that. He wakes up out of it and is shocked to discover what has happened. We cover that explicitly in the film. It's like, oh, you've been having these blackouts. Anything could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you could be killing people, you know? Um stepping back away from the ending for just a second, let's talk about the overarching, you know, just the film as a film. I really I found this really refreshing after Possessor and a, you know, some of the other wor- recent ones we've watched where it's like, oh, it's sort of a this, but it's also kind of a that, or it was mm-hmm. billed as a this, but instead it's a, the other thing. This is a, this is billed and built as a kind of B, a high end B horror movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's a B horror movie concept. And it, the execution and the shape of it, and the structure of the jump scare ski scenes, um, are all like just right out of the standard recipe book. And I thought for what it was, was it corny, uh, and and cheesy sometimes? Absolutely, but I thought it was really well executed, right? Mm-hmm. And I had. Shivers running down my spine. I mean, there's literally a couple of times where a black cat, you know, and the music builds and the black mm-hmm. cat goes, Meow, you know, and and it really got me. Um, <laughs> So I, I thought, like, you know, I can't ask for more than that. Like, no, that's that's pretty entertaining. Did, did you agree with that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's well made. So you have between Oliver Stone and Michael Caine, you have. Two guys who have, uh, according to IMDb, they have five Oscars between the, the two of them. So yeah. I think Michael Caine has two and Oliver Stone has three. And then you have the the wife was familiar, but I don't know. Her name is Andrea Marcovici, I think is, is how you say it. But, you know, she was familiar. I don't, I'm not exactly where I know her from, but like the, the uh, other teacher has been in a lot of stuff. The, the guy who takes over his comic strip is is only in one scene. I don't know if you, if you recognize who that guy is, but he's the voice of Roger Rabbit. Um,
1: no kidding.
0: Yeah. Um, so it has a bunch of, they're all good actors. I mean, there's not any really any poor acting in this. The movie's well shot, well put together. Um, you know, it, there are obviously the hand crawling around is there's cheesy things with that, but it's all played really straight. You yeah. know, it's not it's not uh, I don't think meant to be corny. And it's not a it's about as good as a movie about a disembodied hand killing people can be. You know what I mean? It's not. Uh, I do. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not I a do. this it, is not a.
1: But there are Go all ahead, these th- there are all these like. They feel like old 1950s, like there is a scene early on where he's out searching for the severed hand and in the tall grass, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a like hand cam where the camera is down in the grass, like looking up at him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's a silly shot, but it's very effective uh, in yeah. terms of affecting the mood and they also do they do this sound design thing that sounds like heavy breathing when you're when mm-hmm. you are the hand pov there's a sort of a and i had like the, the hand sub- was breathing you know <laughs> i had the subtitles
0: i had the subtitles on so like that scene where he's looking for the hand in the tall grass it says heavy breathing on the screen and i'm like who is it is the hand breathing is, is the he hand breathing,
1: breathing?
0: <laughs> but and there but there are times when uh uh, there are also other times where it's like the hand is doing something, and I thought of it as hand vision, where it's black and white. So kind of, I guess, where he's having his blackouts or whatever. A lot of that sure. is in black and white. Is kind sure. Of neat,
1: so neat very broad stroke B film things, mm-hmm. you know, and they 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 really play the um, the soundtrack. You know, like when tension is building, the music is really letting you know and it's cranking it up. But so again, like with the hand cam and the breathing, I would chuckle to myself, but I'd have a shiver running down my spine. Mm -hmm. And he'd like, and then he'd get down on his hands and knees where his neck was like close to the tall grass. And I was like, oh no, don't, you know, Mm -hmm. don't get your neck down there where it can catch it. Like I really, it had me going. Mm -hmm. And I thought uh, Oliver Stone what i felt like was the filmmaker was saying you know how do you make a horror movie all right so you know you 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 really just follow the abcs of it and here are the ways that you can use the camera and the soundtrack and things to build dramatic tension um and how you do you know jump scare one jump scare two and then the big payoff and he just kind of followed the roadmap, but Mm -hmm. he did it and the clunky elements or the corny elements didn't get in the way of the effectiveness of following that formula yeah um he even put himself in it he's the first one the that first the victim yeah kills. yeah he's a drunk and he's like wah, wah, swearing at him or like what. homeless
0: guy and, yeah um and that's and just kind that of like nice he just too yeah and that's just kind of like all, uh, uh Michael Caine just ran it bumped into the guy so it's like uh, he's gotta die because he because he bumped into him you know But yeah, it's a, uh, and you know, it was, I don't know what the studio was, but it was a major studio release. Um, So it has a, you know, there's definitely a polish to it. It's not like it was a a cheap, you know, first time director, you know, he's got $500,000 or whatever to. uh, It doesn't
1: feel like it was shot on a home movie camera. It feels like a studio movie.
0: Yeah. It looks like a movie from 1981. Just any you know, a drama or something from 1981
1: or, you know. Now, I have a question for you because one of the things that I was interested in is, so you, 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 one of the questions you have in any of these movies is like, why? why? Why is the hand killing people or why is he killing people or why are he and the hand killing people together? And my take on that, that I think is, was pretty clearly spelled out, although never explicitly stated is that, he, you know, he's got a sort of a troubled marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, she read as a younger woman to me. They have a young daughter. Oh, yeah. Um, we don't really get into the, the why it's troubled when we meet them. But she wants to move to New York and have some more freedom, some more space. <laughs> And you know, and he bristles at that and, and so we right from the beginning we get that he's a little more rigid, he's a maybe a little more controlling, although he's very mild mannered. He keeps his he's got kind of long wavy hair and he keeps it kind of combed back and a very kind of buttoned up. And I like and that together. I don't mean
0: to interrupt you, but I liked that his hair gets kind of crazier as he gets yes. crazier. Yeah. You know, as it goes along his hair start to gets curlier and I yes,
1: thought that was funny. Which is- we're laughing about because it's like you're like oh my god but it's very effective like he looks truly unhinged by the end he's got this and
0: michael cain
1: does unhinged really well he really does yeah he's it's almost a fright wig by the end he looks truly deranged um and you feel like he's he's a
0: guy like you said he's mild-mannered but it's it's kind of like there's this anger simmer simmering underneath and the that he you know we don't know how long they've yeah, keep, yeah. we Repressing don't know how that long, anger. We don't know how long he and the wife have been having trouble, but it's it's kind of funny with her because everything with her is just, well, you know, it'd be wouldn't it be good if we had some time apart and you could meet new people. And he's like, you know, you're my <laughs> wife. But but yeah, he starts to and that uh um you know that anger starts to, and, and you know it's understandable. Uh if you lost your hand and you're you you can not do your work that you love anymore that would you know that would make a person angry
1: um yeah and we also we meet his mother who is a very domineering i mean they're they have dinner together and she's basically telling him what to do do this mm-hmm. do that and at one point she even reaches over and is cutting his food for him on his plate which I right thought was a great touch and he's yeah. sort of seething seething the whole time and then we meet his literary agent or whatever. And she's very like his mother. She's very right. controlling. And whenever he has a, you know, she says, oh, you know, you know, that's not, you don't mean that or whatever she, you know, there, he doesn't have much agency in his relationship with, with these women. And I think that's true to a degree with his wife. Uh, and, you know, not, which is not setting him up as a perfect character. He isn't great at expressing his feelings. He bottles Mm -hmm. up his anger. And when it comes out, it's very explosive. We see him, you know, yelling at his wife a number of times throughout the film uh, before people start, before we get a body count. Um, But I I thought, so to answer the question, why, is it more, I feel like it's just more, this is a, a guy who has repressed a lot of his Dramatic feelings and maybe the cartooning of this sort of alpha man. He says, "Of what was it again? Is it man Mandor? Mandor? Something like that? Yeah. Um, You know, Mandor doesn't. He's not. He doesn't think about himself. He's not self-reflective. You know, he knows what to do and he acts. And and I had the thought, oh, you know, this was an outlet for you of this kind of uh, hyper-confident." You know m- alpha male who is sure of his you know urges and needs and destinations, and he just he doesn't think and he's not introspective right mm-hmm. um and then so a big part of him losing his hand is that expression gets taken away, and then others are trying to change it mm-hmm. trying to change what mandor is and i think for the character you know they're trying to change what i am mandor's kind of my id or inner whatever and they're trying to change that so right to me that's all the why we ever really get is that this is just guy who was pretty wound pretty tight in the first place and then this trauma and the immediate aftermath of this trauma which goes undealt with um titans and titans to the breaking point And somehow, in there, his (laughs) severed hand (laughs) comes to life, (laughs) and he controls it. We don't. There's (laughs) no bolt of lightning. There's no mad scientist. There's no potion he drinks. A meteor doesn't go by overhead. It's just, it just starts happening, Mm -hmm. which is okay, right? Or did I miss something? No, no. I I think it's you know there doesn't have to be an expl
0: explanation. It's just a you know you're either into a disembodied hand going around killing people or you're not
1: you know they do they do a good job and and they have fun with the is he crazy or not mm-hmm. um and a lot of the stuff we've already talked about kind of goes into the case of well he's crazy right he's having these blackouts he's committing these crimes he gets a prosthetic hand that we establish is uh, you know, he, that it's a metal, it looks like the Terminator hand, he wears a glove over it. And I, but he, I, I don't want to, let me he,
0: cut in there for just a second. Did, did they have the technology for that? You think in 1981?
1: Well, I, so I, he, he's not controlling it with his mind. He has a harness that he has to. Strap. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. He has to strap around to his other shoulder mm-hmm. and. The the guy explains it when he's trying it on as as he extends his arm out the grip tightens. So oh, okay. Like, which doesn't explain why it seems to have such a powerful grip. Mm-hmm. You know, he's shaking somebody's hand or he's you know he squeezes his own hand with it and is alarmed and a little frightened by how tight the grip is. And the prosthetic guy doesn't seem surprised. He's sort of waggling his eyebrows like I oh, know, right? So I don't. I mean. I I don't know. Are your lat muscles that much stronger than your hand muscles? I don't know. know. But we established that his prosthetic hand, you know, we see him crush a wine glass with it when he's Mm -hmm. tense about something and a couple of other things where, you know, getting the hang of this hand. So the the concept of him killing somebody, choking somebody to death, you're like, but he only has one hand. You're like, all right, but it's a super strong hand. Oh, Yeah. Seems very plausible, and we definitely see him hallucinate, right? The shower knob sort of turns mm-hmm. into a hand, and he's seeing hands everywhere. <laughs> um, there is – there's something weird, like – I guess the closest thing to a supernatural, he's sitting out in, like, um, solarium or something, uh, and the first big jump scare is this black cat, right? You hear it going Meow, outside, and it's a creepy-sounding yell. And then the cat jumps out of him and screams at him and then jumps through a a window, like not through Mm -hmm. an open window, but (laughs) through the glass. (laughs) Yeah. Like a weird. jumps through the window and cats don't do that. Uh, So I, that had me scratching my head a little bit. I mean, is that supposed to be a supernatural kind of thing or what did you make of that? I, I. I didn't quite understand it to
0: be to, to be honest. Um, there were a couple of things with that that, just that I kind of made notes of that. Um, so that solarium, like you said, is his, his, uh, studio where he, uh, where he does his work. And it's kind of, so in the beginning, they live in Vermont. They have this beautiful big house, you know, kind of in the woods in Vermont. And there's this separate outbuilding that's, It's kind of like a glassed in gazebo, I guess you would say. I loved that. I thought that was a really, I just thought, wow, that would be really cool to have. Mm -hmm. And then there's a scene, uh, it's before that cat scene where they're setting it up, you know, that the, uh, almost like the hand could be a reflex that he doesn't control. The cat has killed a lizard and Mm -hmm. there's a tail that his, his small daughter is outside and she's poking around something with a stick and he goes over to see what's happened. Uh, and there's a lizard's tail and it's squirming around. And, you know, she's saying the, um, and the, the cat is over a few feet away, you know, eating the rest of the lizard. And the little girl says, you know, the, uh, she's remarking about the lizard tail still moving and, and, you know, she thinks it's still alive and he says, it's just a reflex or whatever, you know, so that's setting, that's kind of foreshadowing for what's going to happen with his hand. But I thought that scene was funny because that lizard tail was about a foot long. And I thought, what are the, what lizard is that big living in Vermont? I'm I'm not aware of like iguanas or
1: something like that, you know? And the the lizard tail was clearly mechanical too. Yeah,
0: it was very mechanical. It looked, it looked pretty fake. And yet it Uh, was,
1: it was still a creepy scene because something about the way that that little mechanical tail writhed. So what she was saying is she wasn't poking it with the stick. She's like, it it wiggles faster when I get the stick close to it. So right. like, she would go to poke it. And before she had poked it, the lizard tail would wiggle faster. And then she'd pull the stick away and it would calm down a little bit. And she'd start reaching the stick out toward it again. And when the stick got close, the lizard tail would wiggle faster. And that was really creepy because she's like, it, you know, she's saying she's implying that it's alive, it knows uh, when the stick is close. And he's like, no, it's just a reflex. But then they go back and they show that it responds when the stick gets close, like it can sense the stick. Right. And uh, just before you have a chance for that to sort of land, the cat jumps back in and runs off with the tail. Yeah, yeah. Which is another little jump scare moment.
0: And the, uh, I don't know if you noticed in the opening credits, but the, so this was based on a novel but the guy's name is mark brandell and the the novel is not called the hand it's something about the lizard's tail. um i forget exactly what the title was but it was like the story of the lizard's tale or something like that is what is what the book is called so mm-hmm. i thought that was kind of interesting so i don't know it'd that be kind of interesting. interesting to read this story and see how you know how much it's like this, or or how different it is. But yeah, another I thing.
1: Do any research on it? I just you know just no that the movie.
0: I just saw that it, it was in the opening, uh, it was in the opening credit somewhere. Um And a, another thing, kind of with effects, uh, they at times it looks kind of wonky when he is is walking around with the severed arm. You know, it looks like it's too long or something. There were a couple of scenes where they would show close ups and. It looked real enough that I wonder if they just used somebody who actually was missing a hand like to shoot Mm. those close ups. But then they did a smart thing, I thought, from a from a filmmaking standpoint, they show the scene with the robot hand. And then the doctor says, um, so you can wear a glove and you change the glove every month or so. And then basically from then on, he just has this black glove on in the movie. So you don't ever have they don't ever have to show the robot hand anymore after that. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I feel like it was it was great because the effects are often kind of corny. And so some of these movies, right? When we watched Possessor, some of these movies seemed like this scene is an excuse to show what it looks like when somebody sticks a steak knife into somebody's juggler, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the point of the scene is we want to make this prosthetic neck and show the blood pumping out and these, you know, um, ruby red spurts. And we're going to really um, let the camera linger on that because that's what I want to show you, right? The person isn't shot. The person isn't stabbed in the back. the The point of the shot is to show what it looks like when a knife goes into somebody's neck. Mm-hmm. And they spend a lot of time on that effect, right? And then as we watch it, we say, we judge it. We say, that looks really real or oh, that's a terrible effect, right? Well, these are just terrible effects for the most part, mm-hmm. but they are effective effects. In other words, the point is not to make the coolest looking realistic lizard's tail in the universe. It's a a pretty half-assed lizard's tail <laughs> at first glance, but the scene is effective. You still feel discomfited by it, right? right. Um, and it ends in a scary thing that's genuinely scary, even though you're like, oh, "Okay, black cat again." But it gets you. Mm-hmm. And we're not watching this movie in 1981. We're watching it in 2020. Like, we how many black cat jump scares have we seen um, in the course of our lives? Hundreds, I'm sure. And they almost, but they almost always work. You know, if <laughs> yeah, they're executed well, well. right. And so so I, I guess what I'm saying is the effect and the bit can both look and be cheap but there that's not a guarantee that it's going to be effective and in this case I feel like it's pretty effective every thing, every single time they uh play it mhm so you know by the I mean I wasn't afraid to turn off the lights I wasn't yeah. writhing in terror but it was um it was an entertaining scary you know, definitely. I thought, yeah, wow. It's a fun, look at yeah, it's a fun, scary. Um, you know, and the the hand didn't go through a huge spectrum of the hand choked people. <laughs> you know, the hand didn't gouge out <laughs> the eyes the hand or didn't have any uh, character development. Right, exactly. <laughs> it, you know, you can imagine certain horror directors would think of all the different ways that the hand could murder people. This one just mm-hmm. choked people. Um, mm-hmm. um, and it was still scary. There's one scene where you know there's a woman sort of I forget which woman it is. it might be the co-ed that he's having an affair with, but she's sort of on the bed or looking down for something, and the hand um the last thing you see before we cut to something else is the hand sort of springs up and does a face palm on her mm-hmm. and there is a there is a part of the sound design is this sort of. Psh, <laughs> yeah, I really like that. Yeah, that made me laugh. That was funny, like an old timey punch. You well, know, three like, stooges kind of. Yeah, slap or exactly. Yeah. It was a it was a comic sound drop. I really like that. Yeah, but in the moment, you like you like her, and you don't want her to die. And the no. hand is scary, and you know it's there. And so when it pops out, the fact that there's this funny little button on it, mm-hmm. like my favorite horror is a blend of at least the awareness of the comic. Some of them are very campy and overtly funny sometimes to leaven the gore or whatever. And other ones um, are made all the scarier just by having the scary parts of the movie aren't necessarily funny, but there are other elements of the film that are, right? Mm So it's, it's this kind of blend of the comic and the horrific add up to an inter Like they let you off the hook, you know, and they get you laughing to kind of release the pressure for a little bit. Right. Um, and I think of those movies as, you know, they do that because their ultimate goal is they want the film to be ultimately entertaining and that the fear that you feel is a part of that entertainment, but that you can walk out of the theater um. You know, talking, laughing and talking with your friends and not, you know, um, you know, <laughs> unable to look each other in the eye and you go to bed that night and can't sleep for the nightmares. Yeah. Some horror movies are clearly trying to scar your mind. They're like, we don't want you to ever be able to forget the horrors you see tonight. And we want this to really upset you. Mm-hmm. I've never been much in for those movies. I don't enjoy no. that. You're right. Um. But I thought this was super entertaining because of little. It does it in little ways. There's not a lot of jokes or funny bits, but it's the the comedy that comic sensibility is 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 just like that teaspoon of salt that goes into an otherwise sweet recipe. There's that little comics in the face is a perfect example of it. You know, and the 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 writhing. Kind of two-bit looking lizard's tail. I mean, it, at first glance, it's funny. It's just kind of it only moves one way. It's like bend straight, bend straight, bend straight, bend straight, bend straight. You know. But then the more you look at it, and the more the music is getting you in the background, it does that when the stick gets closer, and then rah, the cat runs off with it, and you go, you go, oh, and you get you you get the chills, right? So the comedy is part of that. I guess is my what I'm I'm positing that. It's not, you're not laughing at it because he was a fool and put in a stupid, why did he do that? Because he doesn't know what he's doing. No, no. He he knows what he was doing. And it lets you laugh at a scene and we can laugh about it later, but the scene scared you in the moment. And that was mm-hmm. part of it. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the fact that, you know, even though this was only the second movie that he had directed, it's obvious f- from watching this, that he's a talented filmmaker and, you know, you could see that, you know, you could watch this movie and said, okay, this guy is going to, you know, I don't know that you could have predicted that he was going to do, you know, platoon and JFK and born on the 4th of July and things like that. But, you know, the, uh, there's very little of this movie that is actually the hand killing people. Um, it's almost, you know, I'm not saying this in comparison that it's on this level as far as a film, but it's almost kind of like a Jaws or something like that, where there you see the, the monster in this case so little. And some of that is the limitation of the time that, um, you know, there, there wasn't quite the ability to, you kind of feel like if this movie were remade now, they would, they would do a CGI hand and they would have the hand, you know, running up, you know, climbing up people all over them and things, you know, they would probably try to do too much of showing the hand. And and then it would be a, you know, kind of a fake looking CGI hand instead of a kind of fake looking rubber hand. Um, so I think the, I think a lesser filmmaker and maybe a, a lower budget film, it wouldn't be as effective because you wouldn't have the, uh, it wouldn't be as directed as well. And the, like I said, this is played straight for the most part. Yeah. So it doesn't make it feel like the whole thing is just a cornball, you know, uh, lower than B level movie, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, no. So Uh, I think the fact that you have all of this real, you know, there's some, some, um, some, you know, not necessarily like these are Academy award performances, but the, There's, uh, Michael Caine doesn't, he's not phoning this in and the other actors don't seem, you know, they're, they're playing it straight. Like they're in a serious drama, you know? Absolutely. And I think that helps the film a lot.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I think that there was something about the era too, that the horror wasn't just about the monster. The mm-hmm. horror was about the effect that the monster had on the people. And that was a psychological effect that you saw play out in their relationships. It's right. So when you, even when you're in Jaws and you're not out in the boat, like in the proximity of the shark, it's affecting his marriage. It's affecting his relationship with the mayor. It's affecting the townspeople's relationship with each other. And we even though we can't necessarily, I hope relate to getting attacked by a giant great white shark, we can Mm. definitely relate to what it's like to be a member of a community or a family, um, or a police department or whatever, uh, when there is tension and danger and a threat and no clear answer and nobody knows what to do when, when we don't feel safe Mm -hmm. and, um, I think one of the one of the traps that more modern movies have fallen into you mentioned CGI which I think it's it's just too easy to think oh well now we don't have to rely on the audience's imagination we can show them the horrors and that's the mistake yeah cuz I don't think CGI is in and of itself an evil thing but Mm-mm, no no too much of it your brain turns off because there's no work for your brain to do it's because it's all served up to you right there on the screen. So what right. you see is literally what you get, and no more. There isn't room for your imagination to fill in any blanks.
0: Um, yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, you know, so but but I think you, w- modern ones that that fail spend a lot of time. Like now the monster can do this, and now the monster's doing that, and now the monster's doing it. You know, while it's moonwalking, and you're kind of like, yeah, this isn't making it more <laughs> scary for me. Um,
0: <laughs> that's the classic thing with Jaws is, you know, the, the, basically the shark just didn't work most of the time. So they had to, um, you know, they, they had to work around the limitations that they had. Whereas if, you know, somebody will remake the original Jaws at some point and you will see the shark a whole lot more. And it's probably not going to benefit.
1: Or alien. in. Yeah. Is the other example. Um, go back and rewatch alien you don't see much of the Xenomorph. Um, Right. You really don't. You see pieces of it. You see its hand or its tail or that sort of mouth coming out of the darkness. But until the end, you don't really witness the thing in its full form. Mm -hmm. And by that point, you're just kind of down to it and Ripley. Um, Yeah. And the whole movie has just been the monster in the shadows. Yeah, well, absolutely. that's not entirely fa- because the face hugger thing is pretty upsetting. Yeah. Right. They land on the alien planet and then the thing grabs the guy's face and then they bring him back on board and they don't know how to get it off of him. And that goes on for a while. And that's all mm-hmm. really upsetting. And then, of course, when it comes out of his chest, it's super upsetting. Oh, yeah. And, and surprising. And then this thing is loose on the ship and then they all start to die off. It picks him off one at a time. But you don't see a lot of it
0: yeah yeah and then you have the later ones where especially like this last one covenant where you have a bunch of cgi xenomorphs and you know they kind of work but they kind of don't
1: um yeah yeah and then the exception i would say to that would be aliens but james cameron picking that property up really it was a smart thing to do it it was a different take so i would say, mm-hmm. i would argue that that's less of a horror movie and more, more action of an action movie absolutely yeah so you see a bunch of the xenomorphs but it's more an us versus them and um hold the line and how are we going to get it's a tactical thing it's um starship troopers you know trying to there's an enemy force mhm and not just something lurking in the shadows. Uh, I thought that was a great movie too. I thought that was really effective. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. Um, one thing with this one, and this makes me think of our conversation on the, the last two movies with, um, uh, bone Tomahawk and then possessor that were both these very graphic movies. This is another movie that's rated R, but you think of how violence has changed, uh, in the last thirty-five, forty years, or whatever, the really the only real gore you could say in this film is uh, in the very beginning when he loses the hand. Right. You know, there's a good bit of blood, and I thought it was kind. Of, it was. It's kind of funny in the movie where they, you know, they get him out of the car, and he's bleeding everywhere, and there's blood spraying from his from his severed arm onto his yeah. wife. It's kind of spraying in yeah. her face and stuff. But Once that's really getting, the only.
1: Funny, but also really upsetting thing. Like, yeah the the shot of the hand flying off looks like a fake hand going, you know. But then the acting they they pull over and there's blood all over him and and shooting out of his arm and he is screaming in pain mm-hmm. in a way that is consistent with somebody just having their arm, your hand, ripped off. Oh, um, for sure. And, you know, and and nobody is quite sure for a second what happened. And the wife had been driving and, you know, she jumps out and runs around uh, and he collapses to the ground and she runs over by his side and sort of rolls him over towards her and, you know, picks up his hand to see what's going on. And there is this sort of, excuse me, not a geyser of blood, but it, I, the thought I had was a sort of an ejaculation. of mm-hmm. there's sort of, It's not overt, but she gets a squirt of blood, you know all upper face and mm-hmm. recoils as you do if you got unexpectedly squirted in the face and it's sure. a really upsetting moment like it's clearly a deliberate deliberate thing that they had to choreograph and and whatever right well, maybe an accidental thing but it, it 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 plays as deliberate like you think oh man that's that's so upsetting like to navigate um, an accident like this in real time. And then, so then they go looking for the hand because of course the hope would be that you could maybe re reattach the hand, but they can't find it. Yeah, They get a tourniquet on him, right? That's what they, she, she has a scarf or a belt or something. She takes so probably, off a yeah. tourniquet, his arm and tells somebody to call the police. And then they all go looking for the hand, but they can't find it. But that, mm-hmm. That scene in the aftermath, and I kept waiting for him to like blame her because they were having an argument and they were, she was kind of driving and they had some driver behind them honking and they were going to go around the truck and right. Mm -hmm. The the wife was kind of driving angry and the hand, he was like waving the car around, go around, stop, you know, and his hand is out the window and the truck sort of swerves and she sort of swerves and the back, the rear end of the, of the big truck shears off um, his hand. Mm-hmm. I have I, kind it, of it, a funny, go ahead. It's sorry. kind of, it kind of corny, but also pretty upsetting. Like that's another yeah, it's example effective, of, it, you of know. it being like it really lands, but it also looks corny.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just think it's interesting that, you know, how, so this was an R rated movie but how tame it seems in comparison to some of these other R-rated movies that we've watched recently. You know, there's there's very little blood in this. There's a little bit of nudity. There's a little bit of profanity, and that's otherwise it's 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 a pretty tame film when you think of how shocking some of these other, you know, these other R-rated films are. But um, this particular scene with the uh, the car accident, I have a, a kind of a funny story with this. So I saw a little bit of this movie when I was a kid. So whenever this would have first been on HBO, you know, it was probably 1982 or something like that. So, you know, I was eight or nine years old. I was watching TV with my dad and he turned to HBO and this was on. And, um, so we watched a few minutes and then where it, when it got too intense, you know, he, he changed it to something else. But I saw this scene where, you know, where his, his, uh, hand gets cut off and that always stuck with me. And to this day, I'm not kidding. If I see somebody driving and they have their arm hanging out the window, I, I cannot help but think of this movie. I always think, and he's not really, you know, it's not a situation where he would just had his arm hanging out. He's trying to direct this car to go back. So they don't, you know, cause he, he can see that they're going to crash, but that has been burned into my mind hmm. basically. If you if you have your arm, you know, if a person has their arm hanging out the window, if there's an accident, they're going you know, to hands hand's gonna, gonna go around killing it's gonna, people, going to go around killing people. But I don't know. It's just funny. Those things that that you see as a kid and it just kind of never, you know, never leaves your mind. I didn't really remember anything else from this movie because I'd only seen just those brief scenes. But I sure, I, you know, I'll never forget this uh, this particular this particular scene
1: well i think those moments from cinema of our childhood are kind of what drives this podcast i mean we talked about it mm-hmm. in the black hole and maximilian and um you know in buck Ro- i keep wanting to say buck roger flash gordon Flash gordon. um like that scene where the gold-faced vizier falls on the spikes and then inexplicably his eyes extrude from the mask um you know, burned into my mind, um mm-hmm. seeing those things as a kid, and they inform m- certainly my experiences in cinema today, but like you say, every time you see someone driving down the road with their arm out the window you're you're thinking of that scene that you saw as a kid, and mm-hmm. i I think I don't know maybe is that maybe that's a universal thing? I don't think we can be alone in that that's got to be
0: no i don't think so cuz i mean you know we talked about we talked about jaws um you know how many people that saw jaws 30 40 years ago think of that when they go to the beach you know right um, right it's and even you know even people it's totally irrational but um i think people swim anywhere you swim in a lake and you can't see you know, it's the water's dark and you can't see what's, what's below you. Um, I think people are always think you know, it doesn't make any sense, but I, I think people that kind of pops in people's mind. Oh, what if there were a shark or some other you know creature in here? That's going to sure. attack me while I'm, while I'm swimming, you know, I mean, they, I know that movie scarred people forever. Oh yeah. Uh,
1: as far as swimming in the ocean, you know? To the degree that there are public service announcements that like, you know, shark attacks are extremely rare. You oh, that's put. the thing
0: that's hilarious. Like it, 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 you know, that's one of those things uh, doesn't seem to happen so much now because we have such a crazy news cycle. But, you know, slow news cycles in the past in the summertime, uh, you know, there'd be a shark attack, um, you know, somewhere. And and experts say, I mean, it's in like the single digits worldwide Each year, people killed by sharks, you know, so the the overwhelming odds are you're never going to get killed or bitten or whatever by a shark, you know, almost no matter how much time even you would spend, uh, you know, going to the beach. But,
1: you know, people have that that fear of that. Yep, absolutely. So just sort of starting to tie this off, it sounds like we would both recommend this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is a, I
0: I like this movie a lot. You know, it's again, it's not a so bad. It's good. It's a well-made film. There's some cheesiness with it. uh, But I suppose some of this depends on how much you like Michael Caine. I mean, I've always, I've always loved him as an actor. You know, there's a reason why he's been in a million movies because he's just really great. Um, He's not really likable in this. I mean, he's kind of a dick you know, throughout most of the movie, but, um, you know, he's not so unlikable that you, that you just don't care. And like you said, you care about this girl that he's involved with, you know, you don't want to see her die. And of course she does. Um, but,
1: uh, yeah, I, I definitely recommend this. Yeah. I I mean, I agree. I think it's entertaining. You know, I think if anything, by today's standards, it's a little bit of a slow burn, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't. And I think kind of all
0: of these. I mean, you you watch. I don't know that you would watch any movie from this time frame. And it, I, I just think we have been so conditioned over time to quick cuts. I think all of these movies seem slow by comparison to to today. And, and simpler, too. Um, but looking on IMDb, this has a 5.5. And it only has 5,400 ratings. So, I mean, there's a there's a whole lot of people that I would say are just not familiar with this movie at all. I had
1: never heard of it.
0: When oh, okay. You, when you proposed it
1: to me, I was like, oh, yeah. I, should... no. I was like, what? And then you said Oliver Stone. I was like, what? Michael Caine? I, I have never heard of this? The poster is terrible. The, it, this
0: is a newer poster that they've made that was probably a DVD cover or something. But it looks it's really awful. Um, you know, it's just kind of a, they've taken like a picture of a hand and you can tell just Somebody in Photoshop has kind of posterized it or something. And, and that's the, that's the image on, uh, on Amazon prime. It, it just looks really terrible. So, you know, I could, I don't know why they didn't put Michael Caine on the cover of it, because I could see people just kind of flipping through and seeing the hand. And it's like, what is this image? You know, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why they have such an awful poster for it.
1: Yeah. That's a good question. Maybe there's no clear money make. Maybe nobody clear stands to benefit from increases. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea.
0: But uh, yeah, people, you know, if you're, uh, if you like, you know, kind of B movies, B horror movies, but that actually have a nice sheen to them. If you like, uh, Michael Caine, if, you, if you're if you an Oliver Stone fan and you want to see where he started out. Another interesting thing with uh, Oliver Stone, I don't know if you know or not, he didn't direct it, but he wrote the screenplay for Conan the Barbarian.
1: I did not know that. Yeah,
0: so for a guy that went on, you know, to be this really respected um, Academy Award winning director, you know, he started out in some... Write in genre stuff.
1: Well, Conan was great. Um, Yeah, and
0: yeah, not that Conan is a bad a bad movie, but I thought this was
1: really well done. Yeah, Um, for sure. So yeah, I think it's clear that the talent you could see the talent, and to go from this to Full Metal Jacket, I think that um, it makes sense to me that if the money players who could green light full metal jacket saw this, they saw enough to be like, okay, this kid knows what he's doing. You know, yeah, he mean? was, I they don't want to be like, maybe he'll be a girl. You know, that's, that's not how Hollywood works. That he they... was,
0: uh, um, I don't mean to correct you, but he did platoon full metal jacket. Was, oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, sorry Stanley sorry, sorry. Kubrick. Yeah. Yep. 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 But yeah, sorry. platoon, you know, I think okay. it
1: won, I think
0: it won best picture and you know and it was just like 5 years after this so
1: but the two but the two movies came out at a similar didn't they come out near each other uh yeah yeah um yeah and both I think of them full I metal like jacket were... was
0: maybe like 87 or something like that and i think platoon was 86 right around the same time
1: yeah yeah that's why they are associated in my mind to vietnam mm-hmm. movies uh, hard hitting vietnam movies right oh, yeah. right next to each other the absolutely
0: but yeah, definitely thumbs up for this one. You know, I this fits right into you know <laughs> this is a very appropriate for the podcast.
1: So uh what what shall we do next? Uh, just just to drop in if you have thoughts. Um we are Chris and Chris Talk Movies at gmail.com. You can submit a request that we do a movie that you love, or you can just give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you for sure. Um and we are we've gotten in the habit now of trying to decide what our next one is going to be. I suppose we could talk about it offline, but we end up spending the last few minutes trying to decide here. So if you're listening, you can watch along with us if you like. What do you think? You want to do the martial arts one or Yeah, we can do if that works for you, we could do that. Sure, cuz I thought I'd never heard of that before too and it looks like it might have some juicy um you know, meat on the bones to pick. It's out. either going
0: to be fun or it's just going to be so awful, terrible, <laughs> <laughs> right. that it's like uh, a slog, you know, to get through it. We'll, we'll see. But, and that one is, uh, for anybody listening along, it is free on prime. Great. Um, and it's an old, you know, it's around the same time, 80, 81, 82, something like that. But at least based on the trailer, the print looks fantastic. It looks like, you know, somebody's put some money into remastering it. Um, the uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, some of the guys that used to be on Mystery Science Theater 3000 do a thing called Rift Tracks, mm-hmm. uh, where they you know just make fun of the movies. And there's a there's a Rift Tracks version of Kill and Kill again, also.
1: Kill and Kill Again is the name yes. of the film. We're gonna watch it for next time. It's an early eighties martial arts extravaganza, dare I say? As far
0: as I know it yeah. As far as I know it does not have uh Steven Seagal. It seemed like every movie he did had Kill somewhere at the title, but sure. I don't I don't think he's in this one.
1: That's good, because I'm not such a great big Me fan. neither.
0: Yeah, I, I don't you know.
1: Great. OK, so uh, we both give you a enthusiastic thumbs up for The Hand, early 80s horror, Michael Caine. Yeah, baby. Um, can't go wrong. Yeah, can't go wrong. Might You might think it's a little slow. It's not a rollicking joyride, but huh, there's a lot to love um, mm-hmm. and it's entertaining. And for next week, Kill and Kill Again. Uh, So as always, thank you so much for joining us and we will talk to you next week.